in non-duality. What is the truth of who you are? Welcome to the Urban Guru Cafe. This week, Aretti speaks with John Wheeler. You say you must already be present as the one to whom that experience must happen, whatever experience it is that we're talking about. Can you explain that for us, please? Yeah, uh, the point there is that for any experience, whether that's having a thought or a, a feeling or a perception or any kind of specific experience, and also you know expanding that out to any state of mind, being awake or uh, even something like the waking state, any kind of experience, from the biggest, widest type of experience to any thought or experience, presupposes your own presence. In other words, you're there as the one for whom that experience happens. And I think that what that's doing is highlighting that aspect of our experience that's often overlooked. We often don't pay a lot of attention to this, to our own presence and, you know, in the equation. And that's what that's trying to highlight. And in fact, uh, in my view, that's all this is about. It's not, it's just being or, you know, itself. And that being is not simply being, but it's also aware. So that, that presence or that what's being pointed to is that undeniable presence that's both existing and conscious of everything that's happening or aware of everything that's happening. Everything that appears cannot be separated from it. But the reason I like to start off by pointing to that is because we want to recognize that first and see what we're kind of talking about. What is this presence? And then from there, we can look at appearances and experiences and thoughts and see what they are in relation to this. And then, of course, we'll see that they cannot be apart from that either. One thing I would like to stress, though, is that those appearances are appearances of that. They're not the same as that. They're not saying that any individual appearance is the being or that that is synonymous with the being. But uh, it's like the wave on the ocean. You know, the waves can come and go. They have no separation from the ocean. When we talk about all the experiences being non-separate from our being... So that's true, but my, I guess my point is saying that first we recognize that being or that consciousness or our own presence, and with that recognition, we can then understand how all of these experiences cannot be independent of that. Sometimes people say, without this part being clear, in other words, I don't even know what, you know, let's say somebody starts talking about being or presence, and it's not really clear precisely what that is, and then people would say, well, everything is the oneness, or everything is that, or that telephone, that's, you know, that's that's consciousness, or whatever. And then people might be a little bit confused on that. What do you mean everything, all these appearances are that? Because, see, in that case, we're not really quite sure what that is, what the oneness part of it is. So what I like to do is I like to focus on a very clear and kind of direct 
pointing to the truth of our nature so that that's not doubtful. And then from there we can look at you know these other things to discover how that they're not separate from that, but not to try to make a kind of an intellectual assertion that says everything is the oneness when we're not quite sure what that oneness really is. into this I notion and see if it has any substance to it. How exactly do you mean for us to do that? Explain the process because of course the first question people are going to ask who is this I that is going to look into seeing if this I has any substance and Bob's answer to that is always well this I that you think you are. I mean how do we how do we physically experientially do that? How do we look into see if there is any substance to this I notion that we're holding about ourselves? Well, first of all, what I found is that it tends to work a little bit better to look at the true nature of what we are. In other words, what we were just talking about. There's this being and knowing essence that is at the core of all our experiencing on this foundation or on this core presence itself. So I found, and I'm just uh, talking from my experience of this, is that what was actually the most important point was to be very clear on what is being pointed to here as this kind of positive truth of who we are or, or what's real. Because, you know, it's such a key aspect of this. So I like to really, really focus on that to make sure that's clear. Now, this other discussion of whether there's a separate eye and how we would look for it and so on and so forth. That's a little bit of a different discussion, but you know we can certainly talk about that too. My view of that is that that's a way of talking about where the experience of limitation or suffering or inadequacy or, or something like that comes in to kind of trace that to its core in our experience. And that's that notion of that separation because, in other words, if we just abide in this moment with no concept, just as what is present, there is no suffering. There's no seeking. There's no problem. There's no separation at all. In fact, there's nobody there. There's no definition of any limited entity at all. And so that's the, it's, it's, the, it's perfectly full and complete. And yet, in life, when that aspect isn't really clear, we can experience a sense of separation or limitation or suffering. And uh, as we start to explore that and understand where that's coming from or what it's based on, we start to see how it's conceptual, how it's based on certain images and patterns and identifications in the mind. And when we continue looking at that, we discover that the root of those concepts is the notion that what I am is a limited, separate, defective person that somehow stands apart from the deeper truth of things. And so in exploring that concept, to see if that concept is true, that's what I'm talking about, looking for that. Uh, so when we're curious about what is the root of this conceptual suffering that we may feel, and we understand why it ultimately comes down to this notion of the existence of a separate self, then we're looking into our experience to see is there any evidence of such a thing? 
And it brings us actually back to the same thing that we're starting with, and that is when we look to see what's truly here, there's no separated individual person at all. It's just a pure concept. In a way, what you're saying is very different from how people may construe that investigation. So what you're in a sense saying is that investigation is pointing to that same sense of being that is always there. It's not pointing you to find something because there's nothing there except for that knowing that exists. And within that, there is yeah. no separation and there is no you. So in a way, all you're doing is, is you, it, it's not a practice. It's actually another way of pointing you to that beingness. It's not an exploration that needs to happen again and again. Yeah, I found that, uh, yeah, once it's turned into a practice, then the, the notion of the practice or the attainment is, again, based on the assumption that somehow you separated from this natural uh, being itself. Essentially, what you find is the, there's this, the, this notion that might arise that I stand separate from the being. And that becomes the basis of all of our troubles. You can't be a seeker or a sufferer or have a question or a doubt or a problem as that pure non-conceptual presence. And so the root of all of that activity is always this assumption that I've moved apart from that, that I've somehow stood apart from pure being itself. So when we, we question that to basically look and see, have I separated from that? Have I moved away from the pure awareness itself, however we want to point to that, to see if there's any evidence that, that there has been any actual separation. And what we find is we find the exact same insight that we saw originally, which is all that we discover is our identity as that pure being itself. Exactly like you say, we don't find anything. We find that the assumed separation isn't real, hasn't happened. It's created by belief and buy-in into the thoughts that are arising. Yeah. If we're just very direct in our experience of feeling any kind of of limitation, it's it's a concept of being separate and limited and uh, being somehow cut off from the deeper harmony of things. And they're all the same thing. Every question, every doubt, every seeking, every worry, every fear like that, everything in the mind that arises is always rooted in that core assumption. And that's why, you know, rather than having to tackle all of these issues like psychological issues like trying to work it all out right once we can see that it, it's all an extension of that core assumption then all we have to do is look at the core assumption and it's not a practice it's just a looking to see if that assumption is true and in recognizing that it's not true in our own direct experience then the belief in that concept is overcome Give me some examples of how it is that this notion of a separate I appears to give rise to suffering. Okay, so let's say that I have a, you know, I've been reading spiritual books and I hear something called awakening. And I, I feel like it hasn't happened for me. And that somehow if I could only have whatever that might be, then everything would be whole and complete and I would be okay. Well, we fall into this thing where we're saying, you know, I need to be awakened. And then we just move forward based on that concept and don't really challenge that. So we get to work on our awakening. But that's not the actual depth of what we're looking at here, because the truth of it is, is that notion, if, if, if you look at the way the language is, it, it's expressed as I am not awakened yet. So there you've got the I thought. You have that assumption that I, as this 
entity has to then have this uh, special experience. We think that the awakening is going to be the thing that's going to fix the problem, but we don't realize that the so-called problem is the assumption of the existence of the I. So rather than chase down that thought and try to fulfill that thought and leaving the I concept, you know, intact, let's just have a look to see if that notion itself is even true. Because if I'm not a separate I, somehow apart from reality, then do I need to be awakened? This was pointed out to me by Sailor Bob, and uh, it was very profound, because you realize all of the limiting thoughts and experiences always are rooted in that initial notion of the me. It's always me, you know, not good enough, not complete, not enlightened enough, not deep enough, don't understand it enough, I'm not where I need to be, and so on. But it's always a commentary about the nature of this I thought. And even if we get into non-duality, and we're doing our retreats and meditations and study and our investigation, if that I notion is not being recognized, it doesn't matter what we do, because we could be doing spiritual activities for decades on end, but if the core notion is still assumed as valid, there's no completion. I mean, there's no fulfillment in that, because we're still you know, in our gut at our core level of experiencing. We're assuming that we're an incomplete person. So we need to catch the profound implication of that, because if we realize that all of our suffering is rooted in the belief in that one single assumption, by looking right there, by putting the, the looking directly on that, we overcome all of the questions, all of the suffering, all of the seeking, all of the personal problems. So it's kind of a really powerful and productive uh, approach. So we're not picking at the leaves and branches, we're going right to the core. And that, the fun, exactly like you say, that question, though, is actually the same exact question as when you say, who am I, or what's the truth of my being? It's the same thing, because when you look right to the core of what is the nature of what I am, you find that non-conceptual presence that never had a problem. It's like a coin with two sides. You can kind of look at one side or the other, but you're still looking at the same coin. true for you when Bob spoke with you, your most common pointing is, start from the fact that you are already that. Can you explain what that means exactly? And of course, we're obviously retelling the story with another set of words. It's like we're kind of getting a way to begin to look at even what this is all about. And so you get some kind of pointers and some orientation, right, that kind of get you moving in the right direction. And so there are these statements. You know, we might read things, we might hear different kinds of things that are talked about, and we start to get a sense that there is a deeper truth, that there is something worth knowing, there's something worth experiencing that is very profound and somehow gets to the bottom of this kind of issue of, of what's real. And I think one of the ways 
one of the common themes, one of the common pointers throughout all these types of discussions is that there is a reality or a deeper truth and then you get some pointers to it. Maybe they talk about being or consciousness or awareness or emptiness or whatever it might be. But I think that the most important thing that's really stated, though, is that they say that that this is what you are. In other words, your own nature is what this is. In other right. words, that reality and mm. your being is this. So once we grasp that, the whole discussion really comes down to a, a realization that the whole point of this is to know who I am, to know the nature of my being, nothing else. There's nothing you know, that we're going to find out there somewhere. There's no experience that we're going to have. There's nothing in the future or in the past or anything. Yeah. Can I just say, so in a way, you already know that. You already know what it is that you need to know. It's already there, you're saying. You're already that. You're already that. Yeah, so Sailor Bob sat down with me one time a few years ago and he said, uh, do you know um, who you are? Do you know what's being pointed to? And right away within a few minutes or the first sentence was, can you recognize the fact of your being? Can you recognize that, that natural being and knowing that's right with you right now? And of course, there's nobody that can deny that and you know it instantly beyond any doubt even the moment that it's pointed out because it's nothing new it's nothing brought into the equation it's been so evident really that we haven't really paid any attention to it so the moment that this is pointed out it was already present of course because it's not like the, you know somebody points this out it's not like they're giving you something hey did you notice this in your experience yeah and of course you you look and instantly without any uh, you can't say I am not. You can't say that somehow this knowing nature isn't here because, you know, again, this is this necessary principle of your own presence and that aware nature which is allowing all the experiencing or experiences, as you say. So that's what's so interesting about this uh, true nature and who we are is that there's, and what makes it powerful is that this cannot be contradicted. It's like logically impossible to deny, and there's no doubt about it. And mm -hmm. that's what you know. A lot of a lot of us in uh, in our life are kind of caught in doubt or wondering what about this, what about that, and we're trying to kind of absorb all these concepts and try to come to some kind of stability through the mind. And it doesn't really work. And one of the things that you know brings us to this kind of discussion is this realization often that we really haven't been satisfied. We haven't really been able to find something that is beyond any doubt. And so the one thing that is beyond doubt, even right from the start, happens to be your own presence. And lo and behold, which is kind of extraordinary, that <laughs> turns out to be exactly what is being talked about. <laughs> and what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, what you're looking for, what you are, what needs to be here for any other experience, something you can't deny, something even your mind can't deny. Because even your own mind cannot say, I am not. So it's, and this is what, you know, you get brought to, you know, very directly because this is like a master key. It's like the ultimate solution.
and once this kind of emerges as, oh, that's what we're even talking about, because, you know, you think, well, what are these teachers and these non-dual sages or whatever, what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about this. And this is right here, right now, in your experience. And so once we grasp that, we, we essentially just let the looking and all of the uh, interest in this whole discussion just basically be about that. Yeah, this is here. It's undeniable. It's the fact of our own being. Since it's who we are and since it's always present, let's just be clear on it. Let's not have it mixed up with all kinds of concepts and assumptions and all kinds of labels about whatever the mind has put on it. But let's kind of strip all that away and just see what is the nature of my being. And we'll find, actually, that without all of these concepts that we've picked up, it's perfectly whole and complete and needs no enhancement, doesn't need to be awakened, doesn't need any enlightenment, it doesn't need to live a teaching or go deeper into anything. And that's the beauty of it. And that's the difference between this and some other approaches where they still talk to you as a seemingly separate person who you know needs to have their awakening and then get it and live the teaching. And someday when you line up the cards all just right, that everything's going to be okay, but they're still talking to a concept. Why would you talk that way unless you still believed in the concept? So this actually cuts through all of that. It's the end of spirituality as we know it. It's the end of the spiritual concepts, because before the next thought appears, you already are what you are, and that's that the thing Sailor Bob you know, talks about, full stop. Because in this moment, there's not a thing wrong. See, if we were to say, even as we're here in this moment of just being with no problem, if the concept were to appear, I need to be awakened or I need to achieve the final enlightenment, that would be a limiting thought generating suffering because it would be a, an overlaid concept on this kind of non-conceptual presence. Your being in this moment does not need any enlightenment. So, you know, we don't want to somehow start getting into kind of a kind of a conceptual thing based on spiritual terms because then we're just back in the concepts. A lot of us do that, and I did that for, you know, kind of many years was pursuing all of these kind of spiritual things that I thought were better. You know, in other words, there's some other kinds of experiences or things or definitions of myself that somehow would be an improvement. So I'd, I'd like to get enlightened someday so that I will be free. And what I didn't see and what, what we can see now, anybody can see this right in this moment, is that you do not need that concept to be free because, you know, the being is pure freedom itself. And so it just kind of undercuts that. So when you look and see what we're saying here, you're not going to be a spiritual person anymore and you're not going to be seeking anything, even if it's the exalted, you know, awakening. Okay, another angle again. We can never find the answer to what we seek in a book. We already have all we need. Now, you talked about 
you know, the search, the, the perpetual search and people denying the fact that they're already that and reading and hoping that the next thing they read might be what it is that finally explains it. Can you say something a bit more about that? Sure. Uh, well, I think the only point is to recognize and be clear on the fact of your being. That's the whole game. That's the whole essence of it. Lots of things that we do in the name of spirituality, like reading or you know, roaming around from teacher to teacher to teacher seeking experiences, that doesn't have to do with knowing who you are. That has to do with looking into appearances and concepts and kind of hoping that something, you know, that we'll discover something in the appearances that's going to give us the answer. Well, the point of it is is that your being is the answer and, you know, is your being in a book? You know, or are you going to find your being by roaming here, there, and everywhere in hopes that you're going to discover something that you don't have? When you're already being. Yeah, yeah. So before you before you pick up the book, what this is about is already present. And before you get out on the satsang trail, going to the next enlightened guru to get something, what this is really about is here immediately available as you know, as who we are. And we eventually see that because we often we've tried a lot of these different things and it just hasn't really panned out. So our own experience starts to show us, right, that we're not, uh, that we really haven't found, you know, the essence of this through those things. And so that's why I say that sometimes. I mean, you can read about this, but reading about this isn't the same as knowing this. It's, it's the difference between the menu and the meal. You know, you can read the menu for an eternity and never have a a piece of food ever pass your lips. So there's a huge difference between reading about it and pausing all the thoughts and concepts and seeing what is undeniably here right now. And in that, then we discover for ourselves what this is getting to. And also the freedom and the peace and the clarity and the direct knowing in our direct experience. Isn't there seeking until there is no seeking? Even in seeing that all is knowing, Seeking still arises in that until it no longer arises. Can you say something about that? Well, seeking is based on a concept. And it's based on, again, that notion of somehow being separate from the fullness or the deeper truth of things. And so the seeking itself is conceptual and it's based on that separation. So I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't just come up with some, you know, a non-dual kind of platitude or something like that that basically says, oh, the seeking goes on until it doesn't. No. The seeking goes on as long as that I is believed. And when it's not believed, the seeking ends right at that moment. Same thing with the suffering. You know, it's not like the suffering just goes on and on and on and it's all part of the oneness. No, the suffering goes on as long as uh, there's a belief in the imagine separation and without that belief that is kind of contradicted through that direct understanding then it ends right in that moment if we settle for some vague kind of platitude that says oh the seeking just goes on until it doesn't and no i mean you mean in a way it does in a certain sense but but in our direct experience we see that it it ends when we see the basis isn't true and we can see that right now, and we need to see that. Because otherwise, what, we're just sitting there hoping someday the seeking will end, and when it does, then it will all be okay. 
Okay, I've got two questions here. Um, this first question comes from uh, a woman called Linda who posted it on the site and she said, I wonder if any of the talks posted might be able to discuss the purpose value of deep meditative experience and the value of these for seeing non-dual reality. The light, bindu, yanas, mitta, siddhas, where do these fit in the scheme of things? Obviously, if we look around the world in these traditions, there is a way that often these things are discussed in uh, different ways based on the ways that certain people saw this, the ways that certain people had particular issues or questions that were important uh, for them and their experience. And, you know, there arose these kind of relative pointers and approaches. And, you know, it's all very custom and very unique to a particular situation because, you know, from this ultimate perspective, there's nothing wrong with you and you need nothing. So if we can go right to the heart of that and and just grasp the essence of it, then these discussions are kind of moot in a certain sort of a way. But, you know, even as we're discussing this, you know, depending on what we assume who we are, there's a kind of a a conversation that arises out of that. But it's it's all based on you take your starting point, you know. If you take your starting point as I'm a body in the world and I'm a separate person and that's what I believe, then there's a kind of a discussion around that, you know. Do this, do that, look at this. But uh, what? It, but if that's not your basis, if that's not your assumption, then the, the issue never arises. Uh, like I never talked with Sailor Bob about breath control or lights or, or subtle experiences because I wasn't even interested in that. You know, the basic point that I had seen was all of those things are impermanent phenomena. They come, they go. There's no lasting truth or happiness in those. They don't have to do with my innate identity. Why would I even be remotely interested in any of that stuff? Uh, But I'm not saying that, you know, there is probably a time in looking back in our lives, in my life, many years ago, I can remember times when a lot of those things were very interesting at that time. You know, I I, I thought that they were important to that, that what spirituality was somehow about. But as... You know, as I went along from kind of one thing to another and kind of got down to the essence of it, those the interest in those topics itself naturally kind of fell away. Because you realize the issue is not about spirituality at all. Yeah, it's not about experiences. It's not about lights. It's not about kundalini. It's not about breath control. It's not about samadhi. I mean, those are all, you know, part of the appearance at some stage. There may be an interest in that, but I guess the only thing that I would say is that's not coming from the necessity that those things are somehow indispensable to what we're talking about, but they're coming more from where we are taking our stand and who we believe ourselves to be. So, you know, if somebody just adamantly saying, you know, I am this body, I am separate, then, you know, there's a kind of, you know, the, the discussion is kind of limited by that core assumption, but if we can kind of get beyond that one to see that, you know, that our being or our nature isn't really the body or the thoughts or any, it's not even an experience. It's not even an object, really. So I would say that, uh, and, you know, from what little I've read about, you know, different traditions and stuff, what I, what I have found is that this kind of non-dual perspective of what the kind of the ultimate kind of solution is, was always kind of presented as the first course. Like, look at this. Can you see the basic truth of who you are. And if we could just uh, embrace that right at that level, then that's that's the end of the discussion. You know, go live your life in peace because there's nothing wrong with you. 
But, you know, if somehow we're saying, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, and then we're bringing up our own perspectives, then, you know, sometimes you would see these uh, teachers like Buddha or whoever it might be kind of go inch down a little bit and, and kind of have a little bit of a discussion at that level. But it wasn't really saying that that was the message or that was, you know, the true insight. I think, I mean, I'll stand pretty firm on, you know, the, the true insight about all of this stuff is always what is the truth of who you are. And I guess one comment that I would make on those things, none of those things in and of themselves will be sufficient, and they won't bring the freedom from the seeking. That They will always be something that always leaves you somewhat incomplete. In other words, you're still in that becoming or that flow of time. But if you don't know who you are and the, the core concept of what your very being is isn't really clear, then just having a vision in and of itself or achieving a peaceful mind or, or whatever it might be, that in itself is not going to get to the bottom of these things. So I think one thing that I would say is that those things at best are some kind of stepping stone or intermediate kind of discussion, for, but certainly not any kind of a final answer. Or even like a sedation, a bit like meditation can become like that, where people go, go into this sort of state of denial and think that they're really calm and holding it together and are detached, etc. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one too, because I think you know, at some stage along the way here, we start to realize a, a kind of a basic truth, and that is our mind is generating the suffering or the questions or the problems that we have. So we, we start to realize that the mind itself is creating our sense of limitation. And so one of the things that we kind of come up with sometimes is that when we start to get a glimpse of that, we think things like, if I could just get the mind quiet, you know, or if I could get the mind to stay peaceful, then that would be the answer. You know, many of us have tried that, and that turns out to be not the full answer because it's just, it's kind of suppressing the symptoms, but it's not really getting to the real root of what's driving the concept. So if we can achieve a calm mind or kind of go into silence or something, well, I mean, that's great for that time being, but what happens when, you know, when the mind arises and then you kind of discover that the concepts and beliefs and the notion of being a separate self hasn't really been examined, so you're right back where you started from. Listening to the Urban Guru Cafe. Our guest this week, John Wheeler. This was part one of a series. The Urban Guru Cafe is produced in Australia.